Can you dream of a world immune to cancer? Hello everyone, my name is Nick and I'm the host of the annual live stream for The Cure where content creators and podcasters from around the world join me to raise money for the Cancer Research Institute and Immunotherapy Research, which is training the body's immune system to fight against all forms of cancer. Over the past seven years, thanks to the power of indie podcasters and the indie podcasting community and listeners just like you listening to this right now, we have raised over $90,000. And as I record this now, the eighth annual live stream for The Cure is barreling down upon us really, really quickly in just about two weeks. So join us, please, from May 29th through June 1st for 48 hours of amazing content from people all over the world and help us fight for a world immune to cancer. I'll now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Thank you so, so much. And together... We can make a difference. Uh, Ghostbusters. Oh, conductors in the metaphysical. Okay, cool. See ya. Hey guys, which one of these makes me look more like a doctor? Who was on the phone? Uh, the Stonebrook Theater. There's a goat on the loose. I'm gonna load up the car. Okay, okay, okay. Look at this beauty. What did you do to my uncle's house? I fixed it. Man, this is so inappropriate for this vehicle. Oh, we have fun. Woo! Let's go. Let's go. Oh, no. did you want to? Sorry. Sorry. I'll let you. I'll let you. Next time. In a world overflowing with movies, we need a hero. Someone to separate the bad from the good. Hi everyone, I'm Em and welcome to Verbal Diorama episode 65, Ghostbusters 2016. This is the podcast that's all about the history and legacy of movies you know and movies you don't. I hope you're all well, first and foremost, and that you ain't afraid of no COVID. Continue to fight the viruses and stay safe and well. And you're probably thinking, why is she covering the wrong Ghostbusters movie? Surely especially now because it's always Halloween surely the 1984 original would be the better idea you might say there is no 2016 only 1984 and listen I love Ghostbusters I love the original I love the sequel and and this one as well but there's a special reason I'm doing Ghostbusters 2016 or Ghostbusters answer the call as it's become subtitled and it's at this point that I have to admit that I, I wanted to do a bit of a team up on this movie. Um, and so, well, I kind of guess that the best thing for me to do is to introduce uh, my special guest. Um, he's going to hate me for bigging him up because I know he hates this, but he's the creator of Film Stories. He's the host of the Film Stories podcast. He's the editor of Film Stories and Film Stories Junior magazines. 
He's also literally one of the most brilliant and hardworking people nah, I know. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> I knew you would hate this. Look, I'm introducing you. Please stop. Right. <laughs> nah. uh, <laughs> uh, I I write for his website and his magazine as well. Uh, he, for some reason, uh, gave me permission to do so. We still don't know why. Uh, and And I'm delighted to be welcoming Simon Brew. Onto verbal diorama. Hello, Simon. Nah, nah. So what I've taken from, from the ignoring, obviously, the last thirty seconds of oh. fiction that you've you've now recorded to, and thus it's now legally you're legally liable for. Um, the bit that the before about wanting to team up. What I take from that is this one's really hard to do, and I need help. I, I, I want someone else to throw in front of the bus. And so I've got just the person in mind. So that's roughly condensing what you said down to what you meant, I reckon. Uh, uh, afternoon, yeah. you well. Yes, hello. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, well, obviously, thank you for agreeing to come on because you yes, are a busy man. Thro- <laughs> thank you for throwing me under the bus. I mean, no, it's you are, hugely appreciated. You are, you are so welcome. If there was anyone I, I, that I wanted I to throw that. under the bus, I it was going to be like, you. So. You're the second person to say that today. <laughs> So, I mean, we talked a while ago uh, about you coming on my podcast and because our podcasts are admittedly kind of similar. Yeah, we in... rip each other off is where yes. we're going with this, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. We're, we're and... bitter rivals yeah. who, who just go off and have rumbles in car parks and, oh, yeah. and, just, and just fight uh, consistently, just just like, I don't know, Channel 5 News crew just having a great oh, battle. That's what absolutely. it is. absolutely. It's, it's proper violent, isn't it? You know, it really there's... is, yeah. You're, I mean, you're quite thing. scary, really. I mean, when you when you get when you get a trident in your arms and you get really cheesed off, I mean, I, I'm quite happy to wave the white flag and just call it. To be honest, <laughs> it's when I get the Holtzman uh, burners out that you start to get. Oh, I see uh, quite what worried. you did there. See, oh, oh, when you've I done start that cunning thing of accidentally moving us onto the point. I know. Okay, okay. I see what you did. <laughs> well. Is, right is yeah i mean like i say you are a very busy man you're also and i know you're gonna hate me for saying it but well, don't say you, it you I mean, are that's quite really successful easy. you are quite successful I'm and, not and successful I, you are you are you're successful at being you um oh, well, oh well, brilliant <laughs> oh, that's like my pe teacher you know brew tries hard <laughs> as i stumble in last on the cross-country run he gave it a go <laughs> supposed to be making me laugh you're supposed okay. to be you're supposed to be being very serious <laughs> yeah i got this you okay just leave that okay to me. right uh but basically the point i was trying to make was i i kind of sheepishly asked you to come on my podcast fully expecting you to say just basically just give me a polite like thanks but no thanks i'm far too busy and important for you oh was that uh, an option oh Christ, was. can i still get out of it <laughs> no you're oh, committed well. now Okay. As as I said before we started recording, um, you're in my domain now. Like, yes, I, yes, I'll, I'll behave. I'll behave. <laughs> no, it's because obviously I I've essentially, well, not worked because well, what I do is not really work. But you know, I submit stuff to you, and I have to play by your rules a lot of the time. And now you have to play by mine. So there's a, there's a bit of a, a role reversal going on right now. Um, but interestingly and bizarrely, you agreed. Uh, probably under some sort of duress. I mean, I, and I can't really copious remember. copious regret now, about 10 <laughs> minutes in, just to be clear, but carry on. <laughs> um, and um, I can't remember what the 
point I was trying to make. Oh, that was it. Um, and obviously, we just kind of naturally both agreed on Ghostbusters. I know you've always been a very vocal defender of this movie. Um, hmm. And you've obviously, I know you've written an article on Film Stories website about why uh, Ghostbusters 2016 is actually worth something to so hmm. many people. And it really is. And I obviously feel very much the same. And it just kind of made complete sense that we did Ghostbusters. And also, famously, you don't do snark on your podcast. I, well, um, I'm about to start because I'm on someone else's. Oh, now, so no! Don't, don't worry about that. <laughs> um, the, the thing with Ghostbusters, for me, with Ghostbusters 2016, is I don't actually love the movie. Um, I quite like the movie. I enjoy the movie. I've seen how much the movie means to a lot of people. And I think the whole narrative of this film, I mean, I, I was editing the Den of Geek website when this came out. The whole narrative of this film has been hijacked, um, and I'm sure we'll come on to this, by a very small proportion, a really genuinely, I think, tiny proportion of people who don't like the idea of the film. And what I discovered by talking to people and engaging with people and, and just looking at, the, you know, going to comic cons and things like this, is this film really means something to a bunch of people. I think that's something worth cherishing. I think that's something worth fighting for and something worth celebrating. So personally... I, I, I enjoy it. I, I think I think it's fine. It's, it's not one of my outright favourites. Mm-hmm. I have met people to whom this film means the world. And I think that's really important. Yeah, no, I, I completely 100% agree. I mean, it's it's certainly not my favourite Ghostbusters movie, uh, you know, just to put it on the record. Yeah. Um, and I, do, I don't think it's uh, many people of kind of our era's favourite Ghostbusters movie. But I appreciate this movie so much for what it does do. Um, and, and obviously we can talk about that uh, a little bit later. So what we're going to do is I'm going to put a little trailer in. Not now, okay. obviously, because we're chatting. But, you know, okay. using the power and magic of Editing the is the word you're going for there. Yes. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sorry, I had a bit of a brain fart just yeah. then. Don't um, worry, I'll, I'll fill in these crucial words at various well, this, points. I can this do that. is what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that as I go through, because I want to talk about, like, basically the history of, of the Ghostbusters 3 project and everything like that. And what I'm hoping hmm. is, at certain points, I'm hoping you're going to pipe up and go, and additionally, this, this, this and this, if I've forgotten anything. Well, there's no <laughs> harm in hoping, is there? That's the way <laughs> no, I view it. No. So, um, so yeah, before <laughs> I pop the trailer in, in, uh, in post-production, so to speak, yes. um, we're going to charge the lines, we're going to create the vortex, and we're going to break some barriers. Here's the trailer. That's okay. She seems peaceful. My name is Erin Gilbert, Doctor of Particle Physics. Ah! That stuff went everywhere, by the way, in every crack. Very hard to wash off. We have dedicated our whole lives to studying the paranormal. Now there's sightings all over the city. There are people out there that need our help. Holtzman, you're a brilliant engineer. 
Aaron, no one's better at quantum physics than you. We can provide a real service. I'm joining the club. You guys are really smart about this science stuff, but I know New York. And I can borrow a car from my uncle. You didn't disclose that the vehicle was going to be a hearse. It's a Cadillac! Let's go. Let's go. Oh, oh. Did you want to? Sorry. sorry. I'll let you. I'll let you. Next time. Okay. Someone is creating a device that amplifies paranormal activity. And we might be the only ones who can stop it. Holtzman, come on. The hat is too much, right? Is it the wig or the hat? bigger picture at hand here. These ghosts can possess the human form. Oh, hell no. The devil is a liar. Get out of my friend, ghost! Ow, that's gonna leave a mark. The power of pain compels you! Ow! After an unsuccessful attempt to hide her eccentric past and her radical ideas about the supernatural, physicist Dr Erin Gilbert, now a disgraced and jobless academic, reluctantly finds herself reunited with her former partner and equally dishonoured researcher Dr Abby Yates. To prove their naysayers wrong and that ghosts do exist, the unrepentant duo of spirit hunters, along with technical engineer Gillian Holtzman and MTA worker and self-confessed New York history nut Patty Tolan, comb New York City for evidence of paranormal activity, unbeknownst to them that dark forces are already amassing against them in the form of scorned sociopathic misogynist and wannabe apocalypse bringer Rowan North. Okay, so we're going to go through the cast of this movie. Uh, Melissa McCarthy as Abby Yates, Kristen Wiig as Erin Gilbert, Kate McKinnon as Gillian Holtzman, Leslie Jones as Patty Tolan, Chris Hemsworth as Kevin Beckman, Neil Casey as Rowan North, Andy Garcia as Mayor Bradley, Cecily Strong as Jennifer Lynch, and Charles Dance as Dr. Harold Fillmore, with cameos by Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, Sigourney Weaver, Annie Potts, and Ivan Reitman. This movie, Ghostbusters 2016, which is how it will be referred to probably from now on just to avoid confusion because we're going to be talking about a lot of Ghostbusters uh so this movie was written by Katie Dippold and Paul Feig it was directed by Paul Feig and it was based on Ghostbusters by Ivan Reitman, Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis I want to talk a little bit about the history of Ghostbusters but I want to make it quite brief because we've got a lot to talk about so Mm Ghostbusters, obviously originally released in 1984, was followed by Ghostbusters 2 in 1989, uh, both of which written by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis and directed by Ivan Reitman. At the time, a third Ghostbusters movie seemed inevitable, despite Bill Murray's reluctance, because Bill Murray reportedly had some issues with Columbia Pictures and Sony, and Dan Aykroyd obviously realised pretty much who the MVP of Ghostbusters was. And that having a Ghostbusters 3 without Peter Venkman was probably going to be a bit difficult. And so he started writing various different Ghostbusters scripts, including uh, 1999's Ghostbusters Hellbent, which had Peter Venkman leave the group to be with Dana Barrett and open up a slot to a new, younger Ghostbuster. 
This was then revised as Ghostbusters in Hell, uh, reportedly with Ben Stiller as the top choice for the younger Ghostbuster. A video game called, rather descriptively, Ghostbusters the Video Game, came out while the third film was in development. And that starred all four original Ghostbusters in voice roles, including Bill Murray. Uh, Dan Aykroyd considered the game to be, essentially, the third movie. And when this game sold over a million copies, Columbia Pictures became interested in the prospect of a new Ghostbusters movie. It was set to be filmed in 2010 and released in 2011. It was then reported that Columbia wanted to target a younger audience and that Ivan Reitman was under pressure to step down from this third Ghostbusters movie. Uh, but Ivan Reitman, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis and most importantly Bill Murray all had stipulations in their contracts that allowed them to veto the development of any new Ghostbusters films. Uh, Bill Murray did not like the script, which was written by Lee Eisenberg and Gene Stupnitsky, I hope I've pronounced that right, and the project stalled again. And by July of 2012, new writers were hired. It was Bill Murray's essentially reluctance to participate in the third Ghostbusters movie that resulted in the franchise actually being rebooted. Um, so if anyone has actually got a problem with the fact there's a reboot, maybe speak to Bill Murray. Um, and it was Ivan Reitman who suggested a complete remake of the original movie, but with a brand new cast. A new script was written by Ivan Reitman, Dan Aykroyd and Ethan Cohen, and that was mooted to be filmed in 2013. But following Harold Ramis's death in 2014, Ivan Reitman left the project, but he remained on as a producer to help Columbia and Sony find a new director. And they did find a new director, and that's obviously Paul Feig, who's already been featured on this podcast in The Excellent Bridesmaids. Um, it's still better than The Hangover, by the way, and it's also episode 40. So he previously worked with writer Katie Dippold on 2013's The Heat, which starred Sandra Bullock and also Melissa McCarthy. And he announced his involvement in this project in October 2014. He also confirmed the movie was star an all-female cast. And with the blessing of Amy Pascal, Sony Pictures co-chairman, uh, she kind of wanted comedy writers to produce a Ghostbusters script because 1984's Ghostbusters was all about busting ghosts, but it's also a comedy and it's a really fantastic comedy. And it works because of a task of incredibly talented comedians with many links, obviously, to Saturday Night Live and obviously a generous amount of ad-libbing because Bill Murray is really good at that. And so... They wanted women and they wanted funny women. And Paul Feig had worked with Melissa McCarthy a few times before. And so she signed up first at the start of 2016, followed by SNL regulars, Kristen Wiig, Kate McKinnon and Leslie Jones. Cecily Strong, obviously also SNL alumni, was considered for a leading role and she ended up with a slightly smaller one. Also considered uh, for this movie was Emma Stone, who's fantastic and I love her. She declined because she didn't want to sign up to another franchise because she'd already been involved with The Amazing Spider-Man. Um, and obviously this was meant to be a franchise. All the cast were signed to multiple movie contracts. Uh, also reportedly considered or involved at some point were the likes of Jennifer Lawrence, Amy Schumer, Lizzie Kaplan and Rebel Wilson. Uh, so obviously... Uh, I, re I realise I'm going on. I've nearly finished. Um, so we have a team of genuinely funny women. And then the cast was blessed further with the handsome and incredibly funny and brilliant Chris Hemsworth, um, who very, very almost steals this movie, but not quite, uh, because there's another cast member who I think does steal this movie. Um, <laughs> but 
so Simon, do you have anything else that I've missed or that you feel like? Yeah, the, the, there's a there. couple of just little bits in there. Um, num- number one is that Murray uh, fell out with Harold Ramis, didn't he? Um, that they, I, I think it was after Groundhog Day that they did together. And they became quite that, that was a very frosty film to make by the end. And that took a did a lot of damage to their friendship. And I think that was probably in the midst of what was going wrong here. I'm not sure quite how influential that was. Um, I think it's also worth noting because this is really overlooked in a lot of the discourse over the third Ghostbusters film is the second Ghostbusters film was greenlit in a panic by Columbia Pictures for the money. Um, because th- that was a criticism aimed heavily at this one. Um, and, and as much as all blockbuster movies are commerce to a large degree, Columbia Pictures was just being headed up by Dawn Steele at the, um, in the late 80s. Uh, she was infamously removed from her job whilst she, just after she'd given birth and was still uh, in the labour suite or, or in the recovery room at the hospital. Um, but that notwithstanding, she commissioned, when, Columbia, when she got the Columbia job, the first uh, films she got going were Ghostbusters 2 and The Karate Kid 3 because they urgently needed hits. And so it was against that backdrop that the second Ghostbusters film was was really fast-tracked after they'd been trying to make it for a long, long, long time. There was also a point, because uh, I got to interview Paul Feig a couple of times, and one of the things that he said was, because he had a good relationship with Amy Pascal at Sony, um, that she approached, um, she approached Paul Feig, and she was approaching, as you said, comedy writers, and she just said, why don't, any of you comedy writers want to do this film why why won't anyone do Ghostbusters 3 and I think there was a perception in Hollywood that this rebooting it was something of a poison chalice and Feig had a conversation said look if I'm going to do it this is how I do it and Pascal pretty much snapped his arm off that's as I understand what happened there um, so yeah, I, I, I mean, you got ninety eight percent of that far better than I ever could. Um, but there's just a couple of little nuances just in, in there that I think is probably worth doing. At what point am I supposed to say Keanu Reeves in this podcast? By the way, because that's as, that... as, as often as you like. All right, so so uh, Keanu Reeves was never involved in this project. There you go. <laughs> no, but I, I I do have an obligatory Keanu reference later on. Of course, later you do. On. Of course, of course I you do. do. Of course never I do. <laughs> No, thank you for adding that. Though that I I did know some of that. I did I, what I didn't know about the Groundhog Day thing. I'll have to be honest. Um, that didn't yeah. kind of come up when I, I, was I only found into that it, out but... fairly recently, to be honest. But okay. um, uh, Nick DeSemelin's written a really uh, a really good book, and it's called Wild and Crazy Guys, and it talks about um, the relationships between the comedy stars that came up through the eighties and nineties, and it talks a lot about Bill Murray in that book, and I do recommend that. Excellent. Well, if you're listening, then buy it. <laughs> Simon's on commission. <laughs> yeah, I also like cheese. Go and buy some cheese. <laughs> no, it's, it is a really fascinating story. The whole kind of Ghostbusters 3 thing, I think, is really fascinating. And and obviously, I've condensed it down quite a lot because I was yeah. a little bit like, I don't want to dwell too much well, on Ghostbusters so much 3. Well, there's so much this one. Because, because I just feel like this episode, and obviously... You know, it's worth saying as well that we are on a bit of a time limit on this episode as well. So, because you're very busy, uh, you right, know, and right. important. Because I've got to so. pick the kids up is where we're going <laughs> no, with this. No, I, I, no, I wasn't going to say that. I was going to, you know, make up something about what, do you. want you... me to make up some posh executive meeting yeah. that I've got to go to? All right, you're then. Yes, I, I've got an urgent or, Hollywood call yeah. that I must take. I mean, as long as it's not with Keanu, because you know how I'd feel about that. Um... Okay, I won't <laughs> tell you then. So, I think... When we're talking about Ghostbusters 2016, um, then I want to kind of start with a bit of a caveat. 
Um, mm -hmm. And I want to kind of say that this is not the first time I featured a reboot. Uh, it's also not the first time I featured a movie that's bombed at the box office. Did it uh, bomb? I don't think well, it's bombed. It is considered a box office bomb. To be honest, I can. We'll go into financials a bit later. I don't okay. think it's as bad as people say. I don't say think it it's is, a bomb. But, I'll, I'll find um, that one. Okay. Well, me, I didn't me get you on to fight with me, but if you want <laughs> neither to, neither me nor then... Keanu think this bomb. Okay. Okay. Fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it is the first time that I featured something that's relatively controversial. It's definitely not as controversial as it was in 2016, and obviously a lot of the discourse has kind of died down uh, quite a lot now. Um, but I will say that I don't think this is better than the 1984 movie. But I do think that movie has a fair few kind of rose-tinted spectacle-wearing viewers. Um, because I think when you, when you have nostalgia for something, I think it's very easy to view it as perfect because of the nostalgia that you feel for it, because of the fact you grew up with it. Um, but I do feel like re-watching Ghostbusters kind of without those rose-tinted glasses there are some issues with Ghostbusters and I'm not going to go into the small issues that Ghostbusters has but I think it does have some issues I don't I'm not going to go out and say that I think Ghostbusters is perfect I think Ghostbusters is great and I, I completely love it despite the issues that it's got but I kind of feel like especially in the wake of this movie um that those issues can kind of get overlooked because of that level of nostalgic power that it seems to wield uh, you know, the legacy of Ghostbusters and, and how much people love Ghostbusters. Um, but I kind of feel like a film can have problems and still be enjoyable and you can still love it. You know, and I grew up with Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters too. You know, they were pretty much staples in my household when I was a kid and, and, they, and they really genuinely scared me. Like, and I am not a scary movie person. This is kind of the level of scare that I, that I can deal with. Um, but Ghostbusters really frightened me. Um, and... Anyone who listens to this podcast knows how much I love practical effects. And I, and I love them. I love Ghostbusters. I love the effects in Ghostbusters. I think they mostly still look really great. I love the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Um, I love everything about the fact that it's basically just a miniature city. I want to dress up as Stay Puft Marshmallow Man and stomp over a fake New York. That is what I want. Uh, you know, stuff like that. Is that really what you want? Hang well, on. Hang on. I know this is your podcast and this is the bit yeah. where I'm supposed to sit back and listen to yeah. what you're talking about and nod sagely. Are yeah. you saying you want to dress up as a marshmallow man and go and stomp over cities? Is that <laughs> is that where you're going with this? Because I mean... th this wasn't the podcast I was invited onto. I didn't realise I was having to bring with me my subliminal desires and, 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 and dreams of things that I want to do to cause carnage to the world. I, I've not pre I've prepared for the wrong thing, bluntly, if that's... <laughs> I mean, <laughs> blimey. Oh, where's the escape button here? Hang on, let me just look at that. Look at that. It's where, I, I mean, it, I, I do, I, they, they, I, there's no such thing as a perfect movie in my head. There's just films that are perfect to me. And, and, and I think they're, that, that, they're different things. I say, I will help you out there. I, I can't. Um, and, 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 <laughs> and, and, and I hear what you say with it. I think you, you go back. I mean, I, I, I love that. I, I had a chat um, with, um, with a, a fairly prominent film reviewer once. And we were talking about films that we absolutely love that were three star films. But it doesn't matter because they're, they're brilliant to us. And that's not me trying to put a star rating on a Ghostbusters film. But it's just it's what it means to you, which, which ultimately is the recurring theme talking about these movies. And, and, and I mean, the first Ghostbusters was a flat out phenomenon. 
mm-hmm. an absolute flat out phenomenon that, that no one really saw coming. And the history of that, again, uh, Nick DeSemelin's book does a far better job than I ever could of telling that story. And so it was impossible for anything to be a cultural phenomenon quite like that, just because it broke so much ground. Um, worked on far more than one level as well. And yeah, there's things you could you can poke at it. I think that perhaps there are things that should be poked at it. But nonetheless, there's a, there's just an awful lot in that 90 minutes. It's short as well. I like short films at the moment. Um, and and so, yeah, I, I, I think in the context of it all, um, one of the things that, that was held up when this new film came out um, well, it was an instant comparison to that. But then conversely, mm-hmm. I sort of think that's fair. I think if you're putting the name Ghostbusters on your film, I don't think it's unreasonable that people are going to compare it to other films that have Ghostbusters in their name. I don't think that's quite where all the discourse went. But I, 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 I see that side of it, certainly. Yeah, I, I do agree with you from that point of view. Um, I, I kind of feel like, you know, if they'd have called it I don't know, busting ghosts, you know, something kind of the same, uh, but not quite Ghostbusters, then yeah, maybe it wouldn't be treated as badly as it was. You know, I kind of feel like looking at, at the original Ghostbusters and, and its sequel and kind of saying, well, okay, yes, I, I really love Ghostbusters and uh, Steve Buff Marshmallow Man uh, dreams aside, um, you know. No, there, there's, <laughs> no way you, there's no way you're just like putting those aside oh, yeah. as if you didn't I'm, say I'm that it out aside. loud. I'm parking it. We can talk about it later. We can talk about I it don't after want to talk, I don't want to talk about it with you. Crikey, I'm terrified. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're putting me off my flow. Um, okay. <laughs> um, I kind of feel like whether 2016 movie is concerned... No, it's not as good. You know, I'll be honest. It's not as good as Ghostbusters. But that doesn't mean it's not really, really fun. Um, it is and, really fun. I mean, yeah. I, I know we, I know we've talked. About, we, we, we spent a lot of time talking about the films that it's not. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't think that's avoidable either. But I do think it's fun. I, I did watch it again preparing for this. I did actually do some homework. And oh, well for done. me, this new ghost. But I know. Thank you. For me, this new Ghostbusters is at its best when it's just letting its characters just stand around and have a chat and bounce off each other. Because mm-hmm. Katie Dippold is an is an excellent comedy writer paul feig is an excellent comedy director and writer as well paul feig's books are excellent um and the bit where they're less trapped by what ghostbusters is supposed to be and they have a bit more fun with it i really think it sparks and and you talked about chris hemsworth coming in just before and and i mean he does just come in and he's just nuts you know, completely nuts. And it's at moments like that where I think the film finds more of an identity of its own, where it's it's less feeling of what it has to be and more what it wants to be. Um, and, I, yeah. and I do think that's fun because Dippold and Feig were going to do the heat too. That was actually the plan, if memory serves. Um, and, and Ghostbusters wasn't on, on the, the slate for them to do. They wrote The Heat too, and then Sandra Bullock didn't want to do a sequel to it, and that's the whole, it was going to be a Silence of the Lambs spoof. Um, and that's the whole reason it sort of fell apart. But they clearly clicked as writers. I mean, the, the, I think the plot in The Heat is a little bit, a little bit light, but the dialogue and the spark and the ability to put characters in a room and, and spark off each other in an entertaining and funny way is just there. And I, I think it's the same with this as well. I'm trying to think. Have I actually seen The Heat? I can't remember. 
I think I, you'd I, enjoy the heat. I think I, you'd enjoy. I, I, I think Paul Feig's peak is Spy. I, I just think Spy. Spy is, is, is fantastic. Well, it's just great. Oh well, of course um, I, know I know why I'm you love Spy. <laughs> we're not here to. I know we're not here to talk about Spy, but it's worth noting that the, these weren't people coming to their first film. They were uh, these were people with a very long p- comedy pedigree. I mean, you go back to Freaks and Geeks with Paul Feig, yeah, and he knows how to write human beings and does write human beings. And so, I I I find with with the the new Ghostbusters that that's where it's at its best when it goes off and it becomes more um, effects driven. I I can sit and happily watch it, and it, I I think actually it doesn't get credit for some interesting things it does, particularly. With the home formats release in its willingness to break the frame oh i love and it that. Did that and it did that with the imax release as well if memory serves and um so one of the things feig said when he made spy was it allowed him to try directing action properly for the first time and he clearly enjoyed that and with ghostbusters he was wrestling effects for the first time i think he probably enjoyed that as well but also it was it was little things like um, when they do fire uh, their packs and these streams are just bursting into the black bars on the television yeah and it's just small little yeah it really is isn't it and i i I sat watching it um i sat watching it the other day i was just like someone's really put a shift in there you know there's there's things with paul feig movies as well i know last christmas got shot to bits and i really like last christmas actually um but he puts effort into end credits you know, it's stuff like that. And this isn't someone who goes at it half measures. He puts in a shift whether you like it or not. Yeah, he seems to kind of commit fully to what he's doing. Yeah, I In think a so. sense that, you know, when he did like a simple favour... I mean, I, I saw a simple favour kind of long after everyone that else is, saw a simple favour. That is nuts. That I thought is. it. Was, I thought that was incredible. I was just that like, was nuts. I the score did not to it think it would work. And I just, I was blown away by a simple favour. I just thought it was not, but the the last third of it, when when they just piling twist upon twist yeah. upon twist, it's like they they blended every Hitchcock film they could possibly do into the last third of that plot. I just thought that was bonkers. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> bonkers. Absolutely. Anyway, anyway, we're not here to talk about simple favour. Yeah. Um, not wishing to pull back the curtain a little bit on the on the working methodology of of, of how we've gone about this, but you 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 put together a, a, a series of notes and discussion points of, of stuff we wanted to touch on. Yeah, and I I don't think we can avoid the review bombing one. Um, no, really. No, um, and and I do I do want to get to that. Have um, I jumped the gun? Oh, crikey. Uh, no, it's fine. It's fine because I I do want to talk about it in a sense that. When we're talking about Ghostbusters and kind of the level of of pure vitriol that it it did kind of get, like you said, I think we could all agree there is no such thing as a perfect movie. There's a perfect movie for you as a a person, as a viewer, but a a perfect movie as in 100% of the world loves it. I don't think it's going to exist. Yeah, because where's the fun in that anyway? Well, exactly. Um, But I, I kind of feel like I can understand the point of view from people who say, I did not like this movie because the main antagonist wasn't supernatural, for example, because Ghostbusters, Mm. it's about the supernatural. Uh, And essentially, this is a human who uses devices to open the realms and and bring the spirits through. And I get that that's why some people who were fans of the original were like, no, this isn't for me. And I get that. Um, Because Ghostbusters has this history of of human beings getting in the way of the ghostbusting. Um, Mm. But the main antagonist, you know, if you think about Goza and Zool and and Vigo, they're all supernatural beings. 
And so I get that. You know, if someone says to me, says, I don't like Ghostbusters because of that reason, I hold my hands up. I say, well, yeah, it's it's not a supernatural villain. Let's be honest. I mean, he does die and become supernatural. Spoilers. Um, but, you know, and I understand the argument that a lot of people weren't happy with the fact that it's kind of trying to be Ghostbusters, but it's also not trying to be Ghostbusters. And it's it uses references to Ghostbusters and like the original logo and cameos and stuff. But then it kind of refuses those references to the name Ghostbusters. And and sometimes that can get a little bit, it's like, are you trying to be Ghostbusters or are you not trying to be Ghostbusters? And I, I understand that. I completely understand that as well. You know, you're either a Ghostbusters movie or you're not a Ghostbusters movie. Um, but, you know, none of those reasons are valid reasons in in my mind for people to go on the internet and, and spew hatred. Uh, especially before the movie's even been released, because a lot of the hatred That's... was because oh, of the trailer. Ow! <laughs> ow, I've just whacked my desk. Oh, don't do that. No. That, that, I hope you're leaving that in just to show the, the, the sheer humanity and fallibility of us here. Well, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I think so. Um, <laughs> Simon, the... Simon Brew is human after all, people. I, I'm just stabbing myself with a screwdriver here. I'm very human. Um, the... The, the 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 thing here is I, I've got a, I've got a very good friend who he went to see this film and and he he just doesn't get on with it at all. He just thinks it's a terrible movie. And I, I he, he that's it. That was his relationship yeah. with the movie. It wasn't it, it was because of what was on the screen did not appeal to him. He didn't then go on the Internet for weeks and tell the world what he thought of it. He just moved on to the next film, really. Yeah. The, 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 the thing with this film and I, I, I ended up writing so much before the release of it, more on the release than afterwards, um, which you know it probably shouldn't be that way around. The thing with this film is it was that there was a and I do think it's a very, very small subset of people, a real micro a tiny in in the scheme of the world subset of people who didn't want a ghostbusters film made by paul feig headlined by women they didn't want it they and and they made their voices absolutely clear there was another bunch of people who just didn't want a new ghostbusters film or a remake or something like that you know mm-hmm. they made their points of view clear what was drowned out uh, in the midst of it was was just a lot of the interesting discourse that was going on around the film. But this was, again, before the film was out, before a frame of footage had been seen of the film. And unfortunately, that that discourse just completely took it over. And I do think there was a tiny subset of people whose misogyny just came to the fore. Um, and you, you see it. I, I, I mean, when we were at school, it was just arguing about Commodore 64 or ZX Spectrum. That, that was as strong <laughs> as the argument got. But there was a chance and it's the first time we saw it. I remember I was editing Den of Geek at the time and it's where I felt geek culture just changed a little bit. That a toxicity really, instead of just being underneath, bubbled to the top. And and I think it was there was there was a point where the power of review bombing really came to the fore there that people were down voting and, and slagging this off early before they'd really seen it. It didn't help. They didn't release a very good trailer. That didn't help. Conversely, is it right that the director of the film got death threats for making the film before it was released? 
You know, that's that's the bit I really say. I, I have no problem at all with anyone watching this film and not liking the film. And it's a Same, shame that yeah. every conversation we have that, that I have about Ghostbusters has to spend five minutes on this point. But it's really important to note that there are brilliant people out there who love their movies, just don't like the film. It's entirely fine. Entirely yeah. fine. Conversely, yeah. the director of the movie got death threats for making the film that and, and the Paul Feig, after the, the first day, he got loads of enthusiasm when he announced it. After that, there were people piling on day after day and he snapped back once. I remember this because I asked him about this because I just said, does it feel that, you know, that in hindsight, because because the game's rigged. If you if someone, you, you know, what it's like at school, if someone hits you with loads and loads and loads of comments. If you say one back, that's it. You've shown, uh, you, you know, you've given them something to go at. It's just like, well, he said this or, you know, and uh, and I, I don't think it was his finest hour. I think he'd admit it was it wouldn't admit, he'd admit it wasn't his finest hour, but he snapped back once. Um, and that gave people license to go at him because then the argument when you were pushed back was, that, well, he said this um, and he said it in response. I mean, he's a human being. He said it in response to abuse and vitriol and death threats, a death threat for making a film. And, you know, not not a controversial documentary about, you know, a, a, a corrupt governments or anything like that. He got a death threat for making a new Ghostbusters film. And as long as I live, I just won't get that. I, no. And that's that's that was the line, really, where I just thought, this has just gone nuts. We, we It's just bullying. And it's bullying taken to an extreme, to quite a sinister extreme, really. And so in the whole build-up to it, um, there, there was clearly a coordinated attempt to vote it down and i got told i don't know whether it's true but i got told by someone um on the comments of den of geek once upon a time because i was deleting really horrible comments we always had such a lovely comments board there i remember we, actually because i was we on just, the site at the time oh well there you go um we were flooded with stuff that i was deleting so I, if people tell me or oh, people didn't approach it that way i saw the comments and was deleting them and it was it was horrible it was horrible and it's a film and yeah. it's a film and the the junket for the film was overtaken by it and and the release of the film was overtaken but but what i was told in one of those comments was that i've cut someone wrote something along the lines of, i don't have the comment anymore um i've come here from a, 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 a private reddit group or something like that that was set up and we're just we're, and we're basically just targeting sites who are sympathetic <laughs> you're just like you don't even read the site you don't you just come here just to just to spread a bit of urine over the place yeah. and off you pop and so it, yeah that's it i mean i don't want i'm sorry i've dragged us down the slightly no. negative avenue there but because uh, there's Not a lot to celebrate with this film yes um, and that that's but, that's kind of what i want to do but i think it is important to talk about there's just the sheer level of hatred for but for essentially a group of people uh going out to do a job you know, if you mm. imagine you're you're going out to do your job and you get those level of comments just for doing your job, it's mm. it's the most ridiculous thing. They've signed up to do a job. They're going to complete their job. They're going to finish their job. They're going to promote their job, and that that's literally the you know the director and the actors. That's literally all they're going to do. But I I feel like the overwhelming negativity. I mean, it's it's never acceptable. The the level that the sheer level that they got, like you say, death threats. 
it's never acceptable. It's no. never acceptable to, to, to wish death on, on anyone, let alone a, a movie director who's just doing his job. That, that is his job. He was told to do it. He agreed. He got paid for it. And I, I just... Yeah, yeah. And, and people me. pay their money. They take, you know, if you don't like it, you don't like it. That's why exactly. I think Men in Black 2 is genuinely a terrible film. I, I, I have no ill will against anyone who made it. I have ill will at the fact that it cost me five quid to go and watch because it was, you know, halcyon days then. It was much cheaper. And I, I have ill will that it's two hours of my life I won't get back. But I've never thought of just like writing a note to the person who made it and just say, you know what? I won't say it out loud. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't. And, and that's it. I just moved on. You know? Exactly. That, that was it. Yeah, and I and just, it... I, I, don't, I don't get it. I just, I, I watch this film, I sit and I watch it, I laugh, I enjoy it. I, there's a lot, I mean, we're going to talk about the things that we, we love about it because I think there is a lot to love and a lot to appreciate. But I, I just, I understand the issues that people have with it, definitely. But they're not issues by which you can say, well, I don't like the fact that it doesn't have a supernatural antagonist. So I'm going to post misogynistic and racist and death threats and... All of the all of the stuff that these people had to deal with. Are the antagonists of Ghostbusters films authority? It's just going sideways on that a little bit. Ultimately, the antagonists, because they're they're always battling the the meddlers who are running the city. That's ultimately, I've always felt they're kind of yeah. pushy against a little bit. There you go. Yeah. I went a bit film schooly there, didn't I? No, Do I no, no. I think no. I think that is a valid point. Oh, cheers. I think it is. No, I do think it's a valid point to say. Well, you do have human antagonists yeah. in these movies, but the whole point of Ghostbusters, you know, in yeah. inverted commas, is the the supernatural element. But I think if you look at it on, uh, you know, a layered level, then yeah, I think you could argue that there are what? human antagonists as well. Why? Why were they all locked up at the start of the second one? I've never worked that out. That they've saved the city and they're 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 sent away for, for doing it. Sorry, that went off on a on on a tangent as well. Yeah, all sorts of all sorts of questions that film left behind. I quite enjoy Ghostbusters too, but it's, oh, the vid. <laughs> yeah, I mean the video game of it wasn't very good, mind you. The computer game, the original Ghostbusters, was turgid. Do, do you play that? That whole no. thing of you had to try and get into Zool. You try doing that on a ZX Spectrum, I tell you. That's a, well, I don't anyway. have a ZX Spectrum anymore. So. Oh, well, you're, us old people do. <laughs> <laughs> I've got everything but a ZX okay. Spectrum. Okay, you're posh. Well, as, as you keep telling me. Yeah, um, you're posh. <laughs> there's obviously a lot of negativity surrounding this movie. So what, I, what I'd like to do, if it's okay with you, is I'd like to talk about some really positive things about this movie and specifically things that we like that's not stuff that everyone's going to like because this is a yep. very subjective movie um yep. but i i just wanted to mention a, a few things that really spoke to me personally um okay. and obviously you can obviously do the same if i mean to, to be fair i'll be perfectly honest the very first thing that speaks to me is the fact that they are women in stem and me also as a woman in stem uh, that that obviously spoke to me. It's very rare that you will find female characters that work in that kind of field. You know, things like engineering or science or technology mm. or anything like that. Um, so the fact that they're not only a team of women, they're the vast majority of them, because uh, obviously not all of them are in STEM, but the vast majority of yeah. them are. Um, and that was always something that quite delighted me, actually, to see female characters represented uh, as as being intelligent uh, and resourceful I, I i'm not a woman in stem 
Um, really? I are know. You sure? I know. It's all the revelations are coming out on this podcast, aren't they? <laughs> um, but that that that's. I would say that from my point of view, watching it, it's refreshing to see different heroes. You know, the fact that the key quartet at the heart of this, even though I'm still gutted they didn't get Emma Thompson to do it, because I just think that would just be amazing. But the fact that that key quartet were different, they were having different conversations, they had a different mechanic, they had a a less blokey mechanic. I find that refreshing, I find that interesting, because I don't like going to the cinema and watching the same old thing time and time and time again. And the mechanic between them all was just terrific. I mean, when Leslie Jones comes into the film, she just rips it up. You know, she. Oh, I, I love her. I, well, she <laughs> just, I, and I wasn't familiar with her Me before. Either. I Me didn't either. know her work. I didn't know Kate McKinnon's work really before no, either. Um, and and I mean, Leslie Jones in particular, she is just a belting force of nature and rips it up. And and I think one of the first things I did when after I'd seen it for the first time was I looked her up. I was just like, where the hell did she come from? Um, and and you know, I I I just think there are the, the casting of it. I just think, on the whole, really is one of its key um, one of its key assets. I, I just think it's really well done, um, and it is different, and it feels fresh. I think the cast, I think they all kind of gel really well. I love the fact that they all have they have they feel like they have a very natural chemistry, and I don't know whether that's because of the Saturday Night Live connection um, that they they pretty much all seem to share um, in some small way. Um, but I kind of really like the fact that. Obviously, you won't know because you're newsflash, not a woman. But as a woman, I mean, I'm being hit with all sorts of things here, and I'm not sure I can cope. Facts upon facts today for you, isn't it? Um, But as a woman, watching women in film sometimes can be very frustrating because women in film tend to kind of fall into certain categories. So you have kind of the mother category, you have the sassy female friend category you have the mean girl category you know all of these kind of categories the shy girl you know all of this and and I kind of felt like with this they didn't feel like characters they felt like people you know they felt like just a team of women supporting each other working together being the best versions of themselves um nothing kind of felt caricature-ish about them um, I felt like I could relate to each of them. And to be fair, I'm the sort of person, I love a good poop joke and a fart gag. I'm I'm a fan. So the fact that this movie has that, you know, yes, it, it appeals to me because I like that sort of humour. I am very much a <laughs> toilet humour person. Um, obviously, that's probably why I like Bridesmaids as well, let's be honest. But, um, you know, I, I feel like with this cast, it, it feels like they are friends. But additionally, it feels like not only could I be a ghostbuster because you know women can be ghostbusters too but also I could be part of that team you know I could fit into that team I could you know be the fifth member that Chris Hemsworth will never get to be um and all of that because you know they they just feel like relatable women they feel like they could be my friends you what, know? what one of the things that Feig and Dippold do with those characters as well is they allow them to bumble and they allow them to be not very good at times, and they yeah. allow them to put across the impression that they're just making crap up as they go along. Um, and, and going to the humanity of what you were just talking about, even though my perspective of it is very is clearly very different, I think that, that there's no... What I see sometimes with female characters is that they have to be perfect. 
they're not yeah. allowed to be flawed and if they're flawed in any way it, it's kind of um it, it's the old strong female character uh cliche comes out and the thing is with these four i mean they're, they're just bumbling along they're, they're just doing their best and i As really like that <laughs> You know, I really like that. And that feels very human to me. If anything, I think when they start bringing the original Ghostbusters in, in cameos, I think that's the point where I'm just like, well, that's the point where I'm just like, what you done that for? You know, all that's done. Uh, First of all, you've, you've, (laughs) they're, they're really just bodged in, in a particularly unconvincing way. I think it really takes me out of the movie, particularly when Bill Murray turns up. Um, but also it takes the emphasis away from what we've actually got here, that what, what's in the middle of the movie is strong enough, really. And if I mean, if you remember at the start as well, is that, that, is that Ghost Court logo that comes up. Yes. And do you yeah. remember all the background of that? That they were looking, this was going to be the start of something. Yeah. There was going to be a whole bunch of ghosts. There was an animated Ghostbusters film, which I think is still coming. There was another, there were two or three other Ghostbusters projects coming along. And the whole idea of, I, I dread to use the word, but damn it, I've got to do it. Some kind of multiverse where these characters could just swim in and out of each other's films. And there, there was a grounding in that. Um, and I, I mean, I, I got to the end of the film wanting to see these characters again. I mean, that that was one of the key things I came from here. I wanted to see him a slightly better adventure, you know, if I'm being particularly picky pants on it. But they to this day, really, where are we now? What, four years on from the film? They still feel I'm, they still feel a bit different, don't they? They still feel yeah. like very much like the exception rather than the, the norm. But it shouldn't be like that, though. We, I shouldn't, know. we shouldn't have a situation where not only are they well-rounded female characters that actually feel like people you know as opposed to characters but the fact that this is something that not only isn't the norm but got so much hatred that it will probably never yeah it will be a long time won't it before they come back the one thing i'd say i I mean on on a picky pants note again is i i I mean the character the character of holtzman is clearly loved and and has resonated I that's me yeah that's I don't me. I'm think, the Holtzman. oh god you're not gonna like me then i think <laughs> on the page yeah um that's that's the character that's written the the, the thinnest really because yes. yeah, I, yeah, I don't yeah, yeah. get a yeah. massive sense of a character from what comes across on the screen per se what i get is kate mckinnon is just great um, and yeah. she is great. And what she does with that role, I think she is probably, and I say this having not read the screenplay, so do take it with a pinch of salt. But I would imagine of all the way the roles were written, the character of Holtzman was probably the weakest and she was the performer that lifted her part the most. I, I mean, I can comfortably see that she could have added 50% to what was on the page easily and change. I feel like this is a really strange situation that I'm constantly agreeing with you. Don't worry, don't we'll, we'll sort like it that. out. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll sort it out in post. We'll sort when it I out. Say, yeah. I we'll add some more arguments in. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I, I do. You know, I do feel like if you take her character, if anyone else played that character, Emma it Thompson. Was... <laughs> I mean, Emma Thompson can do no wrong. So Tilda I, I Swinton. Kind of... <laughs> Tilda Swinton. Can you imagine? Oh, I mean, that's oh the, gosh, this is the film. Perfect. This is the film I really <laughs> wish they'd gone on to do as well, mm. because I, I mean, there's no, there's no way round. There's no way around it, nor should there be. That this film did break a barrier or two down, or, or at the very least, did some damage to it. And what I'd really love to, a big franchise film to do now is to break down the barrier that we're we're allowed to see women over sixty. 
in in a big blockbuster role. The closest we've got is Helen Mirren in the Fast and Furious films. And how much fun is she in those? I mean, oh, she's just she's great. But why? Where's where's the fast? Where's the spin-off yeah. with her? Instead, we've got Hobbs and Shaw, which is one of the most mechanical um, spin-offs I, I think I've ever seen. I, I'm a Stathe fan, but I'm just like, okay, that that's that's as by the numbers as I could imagine that film could get. Um, in the case of this one, he says just just jabbering points all over the place. Feig sets are notoriously improvisational. Um, he yes. comes from television comedy. He he comes from stand up, and he he has little. They're also friendly sets, from what I understand. That there's an old cliche in the movies that the best movies come from the most friction filled set, and there there is, sometimes that's how it works out. I don't think The Godfather was a particularly pleasant set to work on, from what I see. In fact, they're making a film of the making of The Godfather. So dramatic was the making of The Godfather. But I, I do call BS on the fact that a film set has to be a horror show for the film to be any good. And Feig sets are notoriously warm and friendly. Um, and I think that comes across. And I think he I think gives he his performers... I don't think he's the fanciest director. He's given interviews in the past where he says, put your fancy shots away sometimes and just shoots faces. I think he respects and finds and nurtures talent and he puts it on the screen well. And I, th- I think that that's a pretty underappreciated talent as well. I feel like this is becoming the Let's Agree with Simon Brew show. <laughs> really? Is that the but new no, name? I, okay. I, but well, I, let me but throw, I do, though. Let me throw another one in as well. Um, on, Theodore Shapiro's score to this film is terrific. And Theodore Shapiro is a composer who works on a lot of Paul Feig films. Um, and I, I thought he's another one who came onto this film with a bit of a poison chalice. And I think his score oh, yeah, is absolutely. really strong. His score also as well to Captain Underpants, which is a hugely underrated movie. He's just so tickly <laughs> and fun. And then he yeah. did A Simple Favour, which is quite Hitchcock charged. I think he's a hugely underrated composer. And I, I think his Battle of Times Square piece on the soundtrack, uh, on the soundtrack album, is a really good blockbuster score. Really, really good. I'll, I'll be honest, I, I haven't really paid much attention to the music, uh, the score specifically yeah, yeah. in this movie. Because I, I kind of feel like where the music is concerned... Because uh, I, I, I wanted to talk about the music, but I, I might as well talk about it now. Um, because... Where the original Ghostbusters is concerned, you've obviously got that iconic Ray Parker Jr. Song, yeah, and they, which... they pay so short shrift to it, don't they, in that little bit at the start. Just like, yeah. let's get that over with as quickly as possible. And, and, I, and I, that kind of disappoints me. Because yeah, I kind of, I see it's, it's one of those, it's like I go back to it saying, it wants to be a Ghostbusters movie, but it also doesn't yeah. want to be a Ghostbusters movie. And there's, there's a lot of kind of back and forth. It's a bit like when you were saying about the cameos. Oh, it I, wants yeah. to include these cameos, but it also doesn't want to include these Are cameos. Are we talking about the Ozzy Osbourne one as well? It's just like, to, talk about a moment that takes you out of the movie. It does date it a little bit. Most <laughs> I don't definitely. mind being dated. I was just like, what but, on earth? Where on earth is this going? And again, I don't see they think, oh, that's terrible. But it's just like, that's taking me out of the movie a little bit there. I think it depends as well which version you watch because the two versions, yes, the, I yes. think the extended version is quite different. And I watched the extended version uh, this week. Yeah. And the cameo for Ozzy Osbourne is different in the extended yeah. version than it is in the original. So I was a little bit like taken aback by that because I was this was the first time I'd seen the extended version uh, which I mean it's just full of dance numbers basically yeah and there's a lot more comedy uh, in, isn't there in the extended version as well a lot of those yeah. conversations particularly in the first half hour are extended and, and you there's get a lot more, more ad-libbing yeah yeah uh, yeah I don't necessarily yeah. think I, it's I, a better version but I think it's fun I think, I think it's, yeah I think it's fun but uh, that kind of took 
me out of it anyway, just because of the fact that Ozzy Osbourne says something completely different <laughs> in the extended version. Um, but yeah, the, the, the whole him being behind the stage at this concert just didn't really make much sense. But just going back to the music, yeah. there's something that I really dislike about this film. What do you dislike about this film, Em? You can tell me. No one. No, I'm no. going to tell you. Okay. It's the Fallout Boy version of yeah, okay. the song. I, I think it's a massive misstep. I think it dates the movie really badly because Fallout Boy is not really a thing anymore. Um, and I just think it's a really, really bad cover. I just genuinely think it's awful. <laughs> you you <laughs> and, should and, say what you think. I mean, you, your, your problem here is you just hold back and no one has any clue what you mean on a particular thing. <laughs> do you think? I mean, I'm not going to go online and start sending death threats to Fallout Boy, but I don't like it. I think if they're just stuck with the Ray Parker Jr. song, that's what that's what we want. They were a know? bit. They were, a I do think song. they were probably a bit damned if they do, damned if they don't. Yeah, there. of course. Um, of course they were. The, 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 a lot of the criticism was, you know, this isn't Ghostbusters or this, and so every attempt to make it Ghostbusters is getting criticism. Every attempt to make yeah. it not Ghostbusters is getting criticism. And, exactly. and they weren't to and know I, that yeah, when they were I making that. it. You know, but yeah. and apparently when they were making it, it was it was quite, you know. It, it, they could shut quite a lot of that out, even though they blatantly weave into the film that that bit right near the start, isn't it? Where they're going through internet user comments. And I was just like, that's on the nose, that is, isn't it? Yeah. You well, that know was exactly recent, what you're doing. You know exactly <laughs> yeah. what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I kind of like that. Oh, yeah. They've got, why not? Why not call out the why internet not? trolls? Why not? Um, I, I just kind of feel a little bit like... Um, because the, the other thing that I think this movie, it doesn't tackle it head on. It, well, it kind of does, I guess, if you think about it literally. Um, but it kind of, for me, it highlights a big issue that quite a lot of women actually face. And that is the entitled man. You know, the sense that, that you know, this, this character of Rowan, you're supposed to feel some sort of sympathy to him because it kind of says that, you know, he's downtrodden and he's bullied um, but he kind of has this entitlement within him that he's kind of entitled to be something. He's entitled to be the bringer of the apocalypse. Mm. You know, he's entitled to... It's, it's almost like the I'm entitled to be successful because I'm a man yeah. kind of mentality. Um, and that's something that a lot of women do face, you know, especially, as I said, if you are in a, a STEM environment, because it's generally women are seen as... You know, well, there's not many of us for a start. So you, you do kind of get a lot of that backlash in a way by being the, in inverted commas, token woman. Mm. Um, and, and, that, and that's something that I think it, it's not just a, a STEM issue. I think that a lot of women do face this, this kind of thing with, with some men, not all men, uh, you know, just to be completely clear. But there, there's an entitlement there. I'm entitled to be successful just because I'm a man. Mm. And if not, if I don't get that, then I'm going to have a paddy about it. And then ev everyone must pay because I'm not successful. And that's kind of the thing that I get most from Rowan. Um, and I think the movie goes into that direction on purpose. He's the bad guy on purpose because the these are a team of women. And it it's very kind of on the nose. But it feels still very relevant. I, I, to me. I mean, I, I can hear um, there how intricately you're having to thread the needle, even of making that point. Um, and I suspect, yeah. and, it, it, I, I, and tell me if I'm wrong, it's because if someone in your shoes makes that point and does it in not entirely a surgically precise way, that you're just opening yourself up to another blast back from somewhere. Yes. 
that you, yeah. you can't just make that point and move on. It's just like it, it has to be done in such a way so someone can't come back to you and say, well, I'm not like that or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. And that they, you kind of have to tiptoe around mm. it a little bit. It screams again to the, the, to the response to this movie. Like, all this movie was doing was just they were just making a movie. Mm. And it just happened to be a uh, primarily female cast. But look what they and had crew. to go through. And crew. There's a lot. And, and crew, yeah. And look, but look what they had to go through. Mm. To actually, to you know, making this movie sounds like they had a blast. Afterwards, when it was released, they started to to get hit with all of this. Well, what happened? All of these mean comments. What what happened too once the film was released? And what did it do? About forty four million opening weekend or something like that, didn't it? Um, and I and I remember that first of all there was disappointment that the reviews weren't more more hostile. I remember that because I, I think I gave I gave it a three star review on Den of Geek at the time, um, and and I, I, to, I, up till the day I left, I was still getting comments as to how much I loved the film and and shouldn't be trusted. I still remember the commenter who did it, it was very funny, um, but also that once that opening weekend was in, Sony pretty much from what I could work out walked away. And I, again, I interviewed Paul Feig about this and the implication, these are my words, not his, was that he got the call um, that the uh, with the box, what the box office number was going to be, which was below expectations, but still not bad. Um, And that was it. That, That was it. And and any any further projects or whatever, it just all moved on. And and that it was a fairly a fairly brutal assessment of what it had been, and, you know. And this was before yeah. so this was before the Sony hack as well, wasn't it? That would come later in the year, and it, it was just about to go into a fairly brutal time. Um, I also thought that uh, was it Dan Aykroyd who just made a couple of little pops at it as well, yes. and I just yeah, remember thinking, it's just yeah. I don't know why you're doing that. So I, this because with Aykroyd, I mean he. I, I mean, he, he's made not great sequels in the past. Blue, I don't know many people who would take a bullet for Blues Brothers 2000. Um, but, you know, so he knows what it's like to go through the process of a film not coming out and being received by an audience in the way that you want. And and so when he started making a comment or two, I thought that was a bit poor. But, you know... I, it, I, yeah, it felt very much to me like... Once, once it got released, and once the numbers weren't coming back like they expected, yeah. it kind of felt like it got abandoned. That's that's like, yeah, I agree like with that because I don't agree with you that it was I'm a box office bomb. <laughs> I don't think I, I I think it did okay. Um, I, I think it barely over time will scrape a profit. Um, I don't think we're kind of looking at I don't know RIPD or something like that level or anything like oh, that. Jesus. That, you know, well, that, that's that, that. There won't ultimately be red ink on Sony's balance sheet for making this film. Um, but conversely, I yeah, I and I, it, it abandoned is it isn't a bad way to put it. I don't think that there was a little bit of a push for the disc release, but even then they renamed the film for the disc release. Yeah. You know, and and yeah, the whole answer the call thing. Yeah, and and the, I mean that name was being banded. The after the call name was being banded around for the theatrical release, but they still put it out as Ghostbusters. And the explanation I got when I queried why it changed it's just like oh, it's for cataloging reasons. I'm just like, well, that makes sense because otherwise you've just got a printout in I don't know Times New Roman ten point, and everything's the same. And there's Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters. How do you? It's just like, but they changed the name of it. 
And I just like, oh, OK, it, it just went to the whole perception that it wanted to get in the end to the end of the project and move on. And that all yeah. of those that we've never heard from Ghost Corps ever again, have we? No, sadly and, not. And instead, no. we've got the um, new film coming, that which Jason Reitman's doing, Afterlife, isn't yes. it, I think? Um, and, and that, I mean... Yeah, I, I mean, the, the the only thing about that, and I, I hope that will be a really good film. You know, there's a lot of promise in that from what I see. But already, the it feels like a little bit of the discourse is back. It feels like the conversation around that, again, in a in a small, a very vocal minority, is about what that film isn't rather than what it is. To be honest, I when it comes to Afterlife, because I kind of felt very much like that they're using that as like an antidote. Like, this is the anti-Ghostbusters 2016, um, in a sense that, obviously, they're, Jason Reitman is directing mm. it. They're bringing, obviously, a, a new cast. Yeah. Um, but the story's obviously going to be a continuation of the uh, original two, And they clearly uh, didn't movies. talk to the um, 2016 cast, did they? That came out for... Uh, no. They found out, by the looks of it, pretty much the same way we did. Yeah, but I kind of feel like... Because the, the, I've only ever seen positive stuff about Ghostbusters Afterlife but to be honest I've not really gone out of my way to to find stuff but but I kind of feel very much like the misogyny that was kind of aimed at the 2016 version I kind of felt like maybe people were overly praising Ghostbusters Afterlife because of the fact they just purely hate the 2016 one so much that anything is better that's kind of the the gist that I got but then I've not really I've not read anything about it recently. So. Well, we've had other matters take take hold, haven't we? Which um, has kind of changed a lot of the discourse yeah. of cinema, anyway. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't know to that really. I just know that there was a little bit of a spark when I think Jason Reitman made an original comment that was interpreted wrongly. Um, I believe, as a pop at the 2016 film. And uh, Paul Feig, again, I think he's a classy man. And between the two of them, they, they turned it into a positive story. And I don't think Jason Reitman's the kind of person to go around just, just throwing darts at things. And I do think it was just how it was interpreted. But nonetheless, what it went to, the, the fact that that conversation even sparked in the first place, was there's still a little bit of a, for want of a better way of putting it, afterlife to the discourse that took place over the 2016 film i I still don't get it look i I genuinely don't don't. have to Uh, do we really no no i know well it just kind of makes me question humanity i guess if someone is still smarting about this movie four years after its release and they still hate it with a passion then i kind of got to ask the question well why do you hate it with a passion um because i I do feel like the general discourse has moved on i feel like if this podcast had come out in 2016 um, we'd we'd be recording in a bunker yeah that's (laughs) yeah i'd I'd, I'd have several guests surrounded by guests (laughs) it's going to take more than one person protective wall of guests when when men Um, in black three was announced my initial reaction to that was i just don't want to see it and that was the aftermath of my reaction to Men in Black 2. I did actually watch Men in Black 3 in the end and wished I hadn't. Um, and then when Men in Black International was announced, I was just like, I'm not sure I want to see that, really. But that's it. No, but then I'm a very simple uh, person, really. <laughs> I just like, um, and, and I just like liking things more than I, more than I like disliking things. 
And in the, yeah. so w- w- when I find something that I really don't like and then a sequel's announced, I'm just like, well, all right, I don't need to. There's nothing I need to say about that short of they ain't having me money. Although they did, the scamps. <laughs> but there's there's so much to really enjoy about this movie. Um, but but I kind of I'm of the opinion that if someone doesn't like it, I'm not going to sit here and tell them you must like this movie. You know because no one must like anything. Like it's it's a ridiculous statement. Mm. But I think if people actually gave it a chance, perhaps I think maybe they would find something just even if it's just one thing i think they would find something to like i feel like for me as much as i love practical effects and i i really do i actually quite like the cgi in this movie which is probably going to sound quite weird because i'm not normally the biggest fan of cgi but it's the the ghosts look interesting they there's a wide variety of different ghosts i'm not unhappy about the callbacks to the stay of marshmallow man because obviously, obviously. i'm a fan and <clears throat> you know and it, but it is a silly movie it does have silly toilet humor you know it, it does have slapstick comedy it it does have silly moments um and i think that the the actors involved are the sort of actors that can adapt to those sort of ad-libbing because they're they're talented comedians that's what they are you know these women are funny women um and i think that a lot of the time the comments that this movie got was that they they obviously they didn't like the fact that they were mimi- women they didn't like the fact that they were funny women or that they weren't funny enough i don't understand anyone who says that they don't find women funny because i'm hilarious yeah, yeah, yes. and i'm a woman yes so, so so you know i don't get that but, um, I, <laughs> see you're laughing you think i'm funny so. I, I i i do think you're funny yes but let, let's contextually discuss that another time <laughs> Okay, okay, fine. But the the way the way I look at it, you're still laughing. Yeah, well, yeah. The way I look at it, is I, that, I, I love I love the Steve Martin <laughs> Steve Martin's book, Born Standing Up. I, I love the thing that he put in there about um, if someone's not laughing at their his jokes, he just assumes they haven't got the joke and it's their fault. I just love that. Um, my my time is nearly coming to the end, and I want to tell you this if okay. this is all right that. Um, because we we focused um, a, a degree on the people who didn't like the film and acknowledged and accepted that that's fine. You know, if you don't like, you don't like. I went to uh, the glamour of Birmingham Comic Con and um, the, 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 you get all sorts of cosplay of people walking around, um, as you know. And, uh, well, you dress up as a marshmallow man, of course you know. Um, of course. And... Birmingham Comic Con last year, I had a I had a not very well attended stand, um, but nonetheless, I, I gave myself backache as well because I didn't get myself a very good chair. Uh, it's an Asda Garden chair, being so you didn't ask, and I wouldn't recommend them. And okay, walking thanks. past, <laughs> I, I just got a flavour of where Comic Con cosplay was, and and it's quite interesting. I've been going to these things for quite a while. And there was just a small proportion of young girls who were dressed as Ghostbusters. And they weren't, um, you know, they they were just in the jumpsuits. And they were, uh, and one girl came up to us and just just said, I'm a Ghostbuster, really proud. And I just like, and I I sat there and just thought, it's for you. It's for you. If you, that whole thing that, that we're told time and time again, if you see it, you can be it. 
If you see it, you can yeah. do it because someone's done it. And whether you like or don't like this film, I think this is a movie that has, and, and it's done it in a very bumpy way by nature of the reaction, by nature of the ecosystem, by nature of the volatility of, of what ultimately, it, 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 I'm loath to say ignited, um, but certainly was in the midst of, um, it has broken a door, Dan, and it might just be the tiniest door. It might be a door that you or me will never see in our entire lives, but it might be that 10-year-old, that 10-year-old girl who's walking around a Comic-Con with her Ghostbuster suit on who sees who sees what she could be, you know? And it's yeah. not necessarily a, a Ghostbuster. It's not necessarily a superhero even, but she sees, firstly, there is a life for her on the screen. And, and not in the background. She can be front and centre on the screen. That's there for her. She also sees who her heroes can be and how broken her heroes are allowed to be and how they don't have to wear the skimpiest outfits. That She sees that you know there is a character on the screen who's got there by brains and brains matter and there's another one who's got there by wits and being funny and that matters and all the while i just i just keep thinking of this film and i just think if you see it you can be it and i don't think we will see I, I certainly don't think I will see necessarily the impact of what this film means to a bunch of people no, I see it. I, I, I'm, you know, a middle-aged, balding white man with a wonky eye. You know, it's not going to talk to me in quite the same way. But I remember when I saw Ghostbusters as a nine-year-old, and I wanted to be a Ghostbuster and everything that entailed. Okay, and I, I just think that has happened out of sight for a bunch of people, and I think that is a really, really important thing. Do you know what? That was exactly what I wanted to say. But you've said I'm just it reading your script so actually better. on that. I've just I've just done that bloke <laughs> thing of commandeering exactly oh, what you've written and then I'm going to pass it off as mine. Oh. That's how it's done, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, well it, oh, no, it is go. exactly Brilliant. how it's done. But um <laughs> but no, that was genuinely exactly what I was gonna say. That this is this is not for anyone. If you don't like this movie, it's not for you. But a generation of young girls can look at this movie and see themselves flawed interesting funny uh, as as the heroes and how important that is and how important i i can see how important it is it do, doesn't it's not the same for me because you know i'm in my 30s and you know i'm a grown well. up now but for, for well ish um but girls need this they need to know that it's not just princesses it's not just fairies that is not the limit to their imagination the the whole world is open to them and this movie if it does anything it does that but you've said it so much better i was almost getting quite I emotional here when you were end, saying it i just it. thought but best not were you best not well it depends what you're going to sing if you're going to sing the uh, i was yeah yeah i've just got then, it queued uh, up here actually really? let me just line that up now just press a few <laughs> buttons <laughs> <laughs> okay well i think that's kind of a good place to leave it actually because we've kind of gone through quite a lot of the stuff that I actually really wanted to talk about but I think it's a really nice point to end it on that who this movie is for because it's not really for us we are not the target audience really even though we kind of are but we're not so yeah I, I, I kind of feel like now would be a good time to finish off are you actually going to plug anything am I no 
Yeah. No, you know I'm not. So do you, do you want me? Do you want me to uh, plug it for you? Uh, once my back's turned and I've hidden away. All right then. <laughs> well, just be warned though, because you don't like it when anyone's nice la, about la, you. La, so la, just be la, warned la, that it's going to be la, really la, super la. nice. I, I'll plug it myself then. That's okay. fine. Um, what? What? Yeah, <laughs> I see what you did there. Yes, I I, I do magazines. Uh, if you'd like to buy them, feel free to buy them. Uh, filmstories.co.uk is where you'll find all of my gubbins. How was that? <laughs> that was terrible. Brilliant. Oh, I'm happy with that. That was terrible. Look, okay, so uh, so in basically what he meant to no, say no, he was... Exactly um, what... No, what? <laughs> no, listen, right, this is my podcast. You said that you would come on and you would behave yourself I have done. and that you would do as you done. were told. I've just, man, I've just so... mansplained my website and magazines. But... <laughs> Okay, basically what he meant to say was Simon Brew is a wonderful human being. He runs Film Stories. Uh, you can follow Film Stories Pod on Twitter. Uh, you do realise I can edit all of this out, by the way, the news that you're making. Um, so, as he said, filmstories.co.uk. He works very, very hard at what he does. He's literally the hardest working person in the world. Um and obviously, you can buy copies of the magazine, uh, which he edits, um, and and is great. You, you realise I can edit you I'm out, just going and to I keep will edit you out. Talking <laughs> tough. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, despite the fact that you're trying to sabotage this episode uh, with your unwillingness to uh, to participate, okay. massive thank you to you for taking your time on a Saturday. And I know that you are incredibly busy today. Um, you've got children to pick up. They don't you've like me. You've got shopping That's to buy. Fine. They don't like me. <laughs> um, oh, no, I, I genuinely do. Uh, and I genuinely do think you're nah, a good nah, nah. nah, la, 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 la. <laughs> Thank you for letting me come on and spoil your podcast for you. I'm good at that. I, 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 have, I professionally um... <laughs> wreck other people's podcasts. And that was always really my subliminal aim here was I, I just, I just try and take the competition out. But by like pretending to you be, think I'm competition. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm, I'm flattered that you think I'm competition. And so what oh. I do, yeah, you see what I'm up to. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I see it now. But I, uh, but I'm flattered that you think that little old me is any in any way competition. You won't for you. be by the time uh, I finish this. Well, <laughs> <laughs> this is this is what I thought. <laughs> but it, it genuinely, do you know what I, I said to you before we started recording? I was a, I was quite nervous. Um, and I, I do I get nervous. I'd be nervous when, if when I was you, if I was going to confess half the stuff that you suddenly started coming out with, to be fair. No, we, I mean, we've That's gone into me. your kind of cosplay fetish. And, and, and let me just say, and, and I, I, cosplay is a great thing, but you've come up with a niche that I don't think many other people have gone near. <laughs> so I understand the nerves of putting that out into the world, but, you know, all power no, to no. Everybody no, now I wasn't knows. nervous about that. You should have been. I, I was mostly nervous. Will you let me speak? Stop interrupting me. You just told me, me. you can edit uh, me out. I mean, I may as well just go for it. I am going to edit you out. <laughs> I'm just going to edit you out the whole episode. This is going to be me la, talking. La, uh, la. Uh, <laughs> um, no, in, in all honesty, uh, having having you on this podcast, I, I feel like I could not get any higher. Really? <laughs> with regards. I will. Keanu yeah, would just no, run you, up the saying he was me. going to come on, but now that oh damn it (laughs) oh well you know next time he rings you make sure you let me know because next to me i'm surprised you know that is he oh i didn't know that uh i didn't know that he frequented the oh i tell you you can't keep him away bloody pain in the arse 
anyway, anyway, because I know you've got to go. Um, so stop, so stop making me laugh and just let me carry on and let me finish. Um, again, massive thank you. It's been a genuine joy and a bit of an honour to have you on this podcast. Um, and and with no, genuinely, we've I've had such a fun time with you, but I didn't think that I wouldn't because we've chatted quite a lot just generally, um, and we've also met because I went yeah, to you a did couple have of to your pay, events. To be fair. Uh, I did have yeah, to pay to meet you. I, mean, yeah. I don't come out of that story <laughs> so, well, so let's just let's just quickly bash on past that one. That's yeah. true. You you I charged me. You. I haven't charged you for <laughs> and this. I'd do it again. <laughs> I've let you do this for free. <laughs> Actually, maybe maybe it should have been the other way around. Who knows? Um, I'll 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 send you a check. It's fine for your appearance. Check. Um. So, <laughs> anyway, anyway, we I need to wrap okay. this up now. So um. So yeah, obviously, a uh, massive thank you to Simon uh, for coming on. It, it genuinely, I don't know if anyone can guess, but it has been so much fun and a genuine joy. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, as always, I would love to hear your thoughts on Ghostbusters, um, especially if, like us, you actually really like this movie. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe, maybe don't let me know if you hate it. Um, and obviously, if you do like this episode, uh, I mean, it's it's been a bit haphazard, but it's been fun. Um, then uh, I think we've I think we've it's laughed. Do you know what like, though? If you do you, like you, this episode, <laughs> why? That's basically why. I mean, that's generally my mantra for all of my episodes. Why do you like this? I'm not sure. Um, but if you do, then obviously you can rate and review. Stop laughing at me, Simon. I'm uh, laughing with you. Okay. Although I I'm am glad that, I, that you, you, you obviously find me hilarious. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, make sure you rate and review on Apple Podcasts um, because it's free. And it's the best way to tell a podcaster that you like them. Um and obviously, if you do like this episode on Ghostbusters 2016, um, you might also like one of the following episodes that I've done because I've covered some similar movies. So I would probably recommend episode three, which is Dread. Uh, that is another reboot that uh, is great and definitely deserves more love because not many people have seen that movie. It's fantastic. I adore it. It's Carl Urban. He is wonderful. Um, and it's better than the other one. Um, episode 15, John Carter. John Carter... Uh, well, I mean, John Carter was very much a box Keanu, office bomb. Um, She's talking. <laughs> stop it! Um, <laughs> but John Carter is definitely not as bad as anyone's led you to believe. It's a lot of fun. Probably, pretty much like this movie, really. Uh, and that's why what I wanted to do John Carter. Um, episode... <laughs> you are insufferable, Simon Brew. Um, not episode 24, Passengers. So the reason why I've suggested Passengers is that because it, it really struggled um, and it really tried to be something different or something unique. Um, I, I mean, again, it could be a lot better uh, with a few changes. And I kind of felt like maybe Passengers deserved a bit of a shout out. And um, and finally, episode 40, obviously, no, Bridesmaids. Because Paul Feeney. <laughs> Kristen Wiig. Ow. Uh, <laughs> what are you doing? You're not being very professional, it's Simon. Keanu, it's not me. She's listening. She's listening. <laughs> Later. Oh, listeners, I, he's not coming back. Like, this is it. He's barred from now on. <laughs> he's so unprofessional. You would think that the, 
the uh, the editor of Film Stories, the Film Stories Diana, Empire, Diana, Diana, um, Diana. would be a lot no, more professional no, than this. Um, <laughs> no, that's it. Anyway, that's it. give me feedback on my episode recommendations. Uh, okay, the next episode. So next episode is coming out on the 5th of November. Uh, remember, remember the 5th of November. So it makes sense for it to be Viva Vendetta. And I really love FIFA Vendetta. It feels quite prescient right now, actually. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world that's very similar to what's going on in FIFA Vendetta. That's not why I chose it, because it was chosen months ago, because Simon knows what my schedule's like. He loves the fact that I'm a scheduler. Uh, he thinks it's not weird. Uh, he thinks that I am the best scheduler in the world. So, um, yeah, it was literally the 5th of November release date, but I wanted to do FIFA Vendetta. Now you're quiet. I'm just talking to Keanu. We're just sorting what film we're watching. Okay, good. I'm not. I'm not watching Speed again. Why not? It's great. I've done an episode no. on Speed. No, not that one. Yeah, there. Do I'll Constantine. Do. I've done an episode on that okay. as well. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Letterbox. That Verbal Diorama. Uh, you can sign up to support the show at Patreon.com/slash/VerbalDiorama. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. Why are you um, laughing at that? I don't know. It seemed quite reasonable it's, to me. But not, right. Well, that's the thing, because you are technically a patron of this of this podcast. So well, uh, technically. Okay, well you are. Massive well, um, thank you to Simon Brew for being a patron of this podcast. Um and um I'm looking into ways to give patrons even more perks. So I'm actually looking for a few more patrons to sign up because I want to get to 20 patrons. And then once I do, I want to introduce some patreon exclusive episodes um so that's kind of my goal and if anyone can help me do that that would be awesome but you're under no obligation because you know i understand that money is tight for everyone um massive thank you to the other patrons who aren't simon uh they are simon e Sade, hardy l claudia Coloral, derek jason Kristen, kat andy mike and griff they ain't afraid of no ghosts I've also got a merch store, teespring.com slash stores slash verbal diorama. Where's um, my socks? <laughs> my God. Uh, you can email me if you wish, verbaldiorama at gmail.com. Um, and normally this is where I promote film stories, but I'm not going to bother because I've already done it for Simon Brew because oh, Simon Brew came on my podcast. So, <laughs> so that's it. Um, that we're, we're done. We're done. Do you have anything else you'd like to add, Simon Brew? Hang on, I'll be back in a minute, Keanu. You what, sorry? <laughs> Do you have anything that you would like to add? Would you like I, to add a little outro for me? Um, I, 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 I look forward very much to your next episode, which will be significantly improved by a different choice of guest or no guest whatsoever. Well, it will probably be no guest whatsoever because you're kind of my last planned guest. So. <laughs> I think that's right. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a delight. <laughs> and you, Keanu. <laughs> Thanks, Keanu. Send him round to my house after you're done with him, please. No, no. She wants to talk to you. No, I don't. I just want you to pass the message on. Will no. you just let him know to come round my house after he's finished with you? I'll think about it. I'll think well, about it. We, we're me. not finished here yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, well, um, I can't think of anything witty to say to that. <laughs> I think maybe we should just stop it there and just say bye. Say bye. Bye. Say bye. <laughs> okay, bye. Was that all right? Yes. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> Is Keanu going to say bye? Don't be silly, he's busy.